0: evening, church. Hey, God is in the room tonight. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, listen, I'm so glad that you have joined us this evening for, as Simone shared, our last Expectation Sunday of the year. And unlike other Expectation Sundays, we uh, shared what this one is about, which it is, it's a healing service. And so the flow is a little bit different. There's going to be time later for you to uh, come before God and process the things that you're asking for God to heal you. There's going to be a time of prayer. There's going to be communions. I really believe that God is going to do uh, miraculous things tonight in the life of our church, and we're standing on the promises of God this evening. Uh, We started this series activated a few weeks ago, and I've been telling people that this series four years ago when it was called The Gift changed my life. And uh, I wanna give a big shout out to all of you because last week I said, hey, listen, if you take notes, if you engage, if you process and work through this with me over the next several weeks, I believe that God will change your life too. And many of you came up to me after the service and you showed me your notes. You said, pastor, I took notes. And you're like, I never take notes, but I'm taking notes and I'm like, awesome. I'm happy for that, and I really believe that God is going to move in your life uh, this evening and through this series. So we're starting episode three uh, this evening, which is entitled, The Activity of the Spirit. And we're dealing with one kind of large question that we're going to answer this evening, and that is this question. How does the Holy Spirit work in the church? How does the Spirit of God work in the church? Now, there are many ways that the Holy Spirit works in the church, and there's many ways that the Holy Spirit works in your life, but there's one primary way that we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit works in the church by providing something very unique, only provided by Him, and that's spiritual gifts. Over the next several weeks, we're gonna be looking into the very specific spiritual gifts that we see in Scripture. And this evening, we're gonna be looking at the gifts that the Spirit brings, how He brings the gifts, and how you prepare yourself to receive those gifts to be activated in your life. So, when I bring up spiritual gifts, there, there may be a lot of confusion in your mind, There's some confusion in the room because. People have different associations and theology and experiences with the topic or the belief of spiritual gifts. Some people, maybe you're in this camp, you think, isn't that a Pentecostal thing? That's like that denomination. It's charismatic. I'm not from that denomination. I don't really understand it. And so you kind of relegate it to that part of the church. Now, some people may say, I don't really know much about spiritual gifts, but I'm wondering, are they developed? Like maybe I'm new in my faith or I'm just beginning to grow in my faith. Are these things that are developed in my life as I grow in my faith? Am I going to see spiritual gifts kind of born almost like the fruit of the Spirit? Are they kind of the same where they grow in your life? There's a lot of confusion, a lot of different thoughts around it. And I've been kind of processing um, two things that I want to address tonight. Because we can't tackle every question around spiritual gifts. Simone shared that this coming Tuesday we have uh, our event called At The Table. And the focus on the conversation on Tuesday at 7 p.m. right here in the church is going to be on spiritual gifts and spiritual warfare. So if you have questions on spiritual gifts, spiritual warfare, anything like that, make sure you're here on Tuesday night. Because we're going to be walking through that together in an open and respectful forum. But the the conversation around spiritual gifts, which has a lot of confusion, a lot of questions, I wanna bring up two things that I think I've seen in the church and that I've experienced with interactions with many people on this topic. And I want you to picture for my explanation here One of those old school weighted scales. You know what I'm talking about? The doctor's office, some of them still have one where you have the little thing that balances in the middle and you have the weight, boxers and UFC fights. They still use these to get the exact precise, I think, uh, you know, weight. So picture that. And and what I want to say is that around this topic of spiritual gifts, I think people in large part are either too heavy where it falls down or they're too light where it's hitting the top, and the goal is to reach balance, biblical balance on the topic of spiritual gifts. Now, when I say too heavy, what I mean is people that believe in the full expression of the gifts as outlined in the Bible, but without the biblical guardrails and order that is set out so that it might be a place of flourishing for the gifts and not a place of of maybe mistreatment or misuse of the gifts. So too heavy is like, I believe in all the gifts, but I maybe haven't been in a situation or implemented the guardrails in the Bible to protect the use and the flourishing of those gifts. Then there's people that are too light on the topic of spiritual gifts. And these are people that have either wholly ignored the conversation and the theology of spiritual gifts or have rejected certain gifts for fear of the slippery slope where you get too heavy on the spiritual gifts or it just feels uncomfortable. Too light, too heavy. The goal and the prayer for our church is that we would find biblical balance as we see in Scripture. So I've been praying a couple things, I've been reading some books, and, you know, and some different authors and pastors have been sharing about their prayer and their desire for a church with a right theology and understanding on spiritual gifts, and I've been praying this for us, and that is this, that we would be a people that are activated people. And we're activated people in two ways. One is that we're intellectually activated and exhilarated by studying the deep truths of Scripture. We want to know what the Bible really says. We want to follow the guidance of Scripture. We're intellectually exhilarated by working through complex biblical truths. But at the same time, we are also so affectionate, For Jesus, we're so in love with the gospel that we are unashamed to give visible expression of our love for God. Because sometimes those that are intellectually exhilarated by the Bible are not always exuberant in their praise and expression of Jesus, right? The prayer is to have both. That we would be people that are open to the present tense, right now, tonight, voice of the Spirit in your life. That you'd be open to that, that you would receive that and you see God activate you for the way that he has designed you because many of us, I think, are living a deactivated faith, especially around the topic of spiritual gifts. And here's the reason that I think this is so important for us to find this balance is because if you are not activated by the spirit where you're you're submitting yourself to scripture and its authority and you're studying it but you're also visibly affectionate for Jesus and you're open to the spirit speaking in your life it is so easy if that's not you to make your faith dependent upon you dependent upon your discipline and your focus and your hard work and your religious nature of checking off the spiritual list, but that's not how you've been designed. You've been designed and called by God to be activated by the Spirit relying upon Him. Last week, we talked about spiritual practices, and I said that spiritual practices, things like prayer and fasting and studying Scripture and corporate worship and confession and solitude and meditation and celebration— These are some of the ones that we talked about. That spiritual practices are guaranteed places of transformational power. That in spiritual practices, when you live them out consistently in your life, you will find that God will transform you. It's guaranteed. I never said it's immediate, but He will in time transform you. It's guaranteed. And spiritual practices are different from spiritual gifts, but they work together. Spiritual practices, I said, are primarily used to strengthen the individual. They bring you transformation. They strengthen you as you establish them in your life. Spiritual gifts are primarily used to serve others. Spiritual practices serve you and your faith, prayer, fasting, corporate worship, but spiritual gifts are places that you serve from. So one way to think about it is that spiritual practices, they build your faith so that you might exercise your spiritual gifts to build the faith of others. Did you hear what I said? Spiritual practices are important because they build your faith so that you might exercise the spiritual gifts God has given you to build the faith of others. Spiritual gifts are others-focused and I want to say this about spiritual gifts. They are the only guaranteed places of power to serve from. Spiritual gifts are the only guaranteed places of power to serve from. Now, you can serve from very many different places. You can serve from your personality. You can serve from compassion. You can serve from knowledge. You can serve from discipline. And God uses all of these You can serve from a willing spirit. God uses all of the places that we serve from for his glory and for the building of his church. But the only place of guaranteed power to serve from is from spiritual gifts. Because it is not dependent upon your personality or your knowledge or your maturity or your discipline or your intellect. Spiritual gifts are given to you. It is literally spiritual gifts, not gifts that you develop, not gifts that you have worked on. They are gifts that the Spirit gives to you, and they're guaranteed places of power to serve from. And I will tell you this, when you begin to serve from spiritual gifts, and you see God using these gifts in your life and in the lives of others, there is no greater joy. There is no greater joy to see how God is using you through the very unique gifts that he has given you to build the faith in the church. It's unbelievable. And as, we about, as we're about to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to know this, okay? And it's going to be kind of underlined here, several verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that is this. You have spiritual gifts. If you believe in faith in Jesus Christ... And the Spirit has given birth to a new person that you are regenerated and redeemed and changed. The Spirit is alive and active within you Is in fact, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, who has united you with Jesus, your Savior. If you believe in faith, that is true of you, and you have spiritual gifts. You may say, no, I don't, because I don't know them. They're deactivated, and I believe that the Spirit wants to activate them because they've been given to you to serve from and experience the power of doing that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the passage that we're looking at tonight. A few verses here, starting in verse four through verse 11. Here's God's word to us. It says this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God Who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one who is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. There's gifts being listed here. The language is on the spirit who gives these. Look at verse uh, verse 6, 7 says this. It's God who empowers them. You don't develop them. You don't create them. It's not based on your personality or your knowledge or your maturity or your discipline or how long you've been a believer. It is not dependent on anything that you have done. It is God who empowers them in you and it is given to each one. So when I told you that you had spiritual gifts, you may have thought, well, not me. Maybe other people in the room, but not me. I know myself, I don't have them. Well, the Bible says you have them. So I'm gonna go with that because God has given them to each one for the common good. Remember, I said that spiritual gifts are not primarily for your individual good. They are for the common good, for the building up of the church and the faith of others. That's what they're for. And that last verse, verse 11, it makes it so clear. All of these gifts are empowered by the Spirit. They're activated by the Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Here's what you need to know about spiritual gifts. They are given to you, to everyone in the church. And they are given to you by God based on God's sovereign grace and will. It is his grace and his will that he gives gifts to his people, to his family, to his church. The spirit activates them in your life. They're apportioned to you by God. And I want to say a disclaimer, and that is this. We're going to talk about these gifts over the next three weeks in very specifics. And I believe that every one of the gifts that we're going to talk about are alive and active in the church today. That that if you look at Christian history, it is clear that the Spirit of God has been empowering and apportioning these gifts to the church. For the building of the church, for the proclamation of the gospel, for the common good of God's people and the city over 2,000 years. And there are times when God gives more of one gift to a particular city or a particular congregation or a particular location depending upon the need of the church but it is clear to me from scripture and from Christian history that the spiritual gifts that we see in scripture are alive and active today. So what are the spiritual gifts? Well, we're not going to get into them in specific this evening, but I want to tell you what they are because if you're like me, you want to know what we're dealing with here. And there are 21 spiritual gifts that we're going to work through. 21 spiritual gifts that we're separating into three categories. Love gifts, Word gifts and power gifts. This helps to understand the usage of the gifts and how God uses these gifts in the church through you. So here's what they are. Love gifts. They manifest the love of God in practical ways. So they show and reveal God's love to people in practical ways. Here are the love gifts. The gift of administration, of help, of mercy, and of giving. Then there are word gifts. Word gifts... They clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. So they help clarify to people the nature of God, the actions of God, and the purposes of God. Here are the word gifts. The gift of teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, pastoring, shepherding, and evangelism. And then we have the power gifts. The power gifts demonstrate the power, presence, and reality of God in the moment. They reveal God's power and his presence and his reality to people in the moment. Here are these gifts. The gift of prophecy, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, intercession, healing, faith, discernment, works of power, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. Now, all of these gifts are meant to be worked together, practiced together. They're not individual. They're not just for you. They're used to be places that you serve from for the common good of the church, the building up of the faith of others, and the building up of the church in the city. So whether you discover that God has activated in your life love gifts or word gifts or power gifts, he has given them to you for you to use for the common good of others. They're guaranteed places of power for you to serve from. And these gifts are given to the church to make known the reality of God in the church. Sam Storms, who is an author and a pastor, he has a great quote. I've been reading this over the last couple of weeks. I love how he puts this. He says, spiritual gifts are God going public among his people. Spiritual gifts are Are God going public among his people. It is God revealing that yes, God is transcendent, but he is imminent. He is not removed from our lives and our history and our church and our city. He is alive and active and the spirit is empowering gifts in the church to make God known in our midst, to make him visible. It's God going public. Now, it's important to understand this. Spiritual gifts are not like carrying around a golf bag. Some of you hear golf. I don't because I always hit it on the other other hole because my slice is so bad, I have to pretty much stand backwards for it to loop around. Not good at golf. But I know in golf, you have a golf bag and you have a lot of different clubs, right? So you have the five iron and the pitching wedge and the driver and you use a different club depending upon the situation you're in. Whichever one is most appropriate to try to get the ball into the hole. This is not how spiritual gifts work, okay? It's not like you're carrying around all the gifts. You're like, I'm going to pull out prophecy. I'm going to try this one out for size. Tongues, I feel weird about that one. Not going to do that one. So now I'm going to pull out leadership. I like leadership. I'm going to use leadership. It's not a golf bag where you pull out what you want to use because You have spiritual gifts. Every one of you has at least one, I believe, multiple spiritual gifts. And I believe that in this series, God is going to activate those in your life. You're going to be able to deploy them, and you're going to experience the joy of that. But they're given to you. God chooses which gifts he gives to you. He apportions them to you. Because spiritual gifts require you to be dependent upon, what do you think the answer is? The Spirit, it's been the answer this whole series. Some of you have been tracking. Spiritual gifts require you to be dependent upon the Spirit for He gives them to you and you rely upon Him for the usage of those gifts. They are not developed by you. They are given to you. It is not based on your expertise or your skill or your intellect or your talents. And that also means something else. That means that for you to discover the gifts that God has given you, for them to be activated in your life, you do not need an extra exercise or ceremony or baptism to receive those gifts because the Spirit gives them as He wills. He apportions them. They are given to us because here's the the truth and I want us to really understand this this evening. The Holy Spirit cannot be compelled Do you know that? The Holy Spirit cannot be compelled. Now, when I say the Holy Spirit cannot be compelled, that does not mean I don't think that he should be pursued. The Holy Spirit desires to be pursued, but he will never be pushed. For the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. The Holy Spirit is a person with a will. It is Father, Son, and Spirit. He cannot be compelled, but he should be pursued. Not pushed, but pursued. And this is so important to understand that the Holy Spirit cannot be pushed, but he should be pursued. Because the way that you pursue the Holy Spirit is what we talked about last week through spiritual practices, through studying of Scripture, through prayer, through fasting, through meditation. Through corporate worship, confession, you pursue the Holy Spirit through spiritual practices so that you might experience the Holy Spirit activating gifts in your life and blowing and moving in your midst. You cannot compel him, but you should pursue him. Now, I want you to imagine that you are in love with sailing. Do I have any sailors in the room? Zero. Okay, we got one. (laughs) We have one. Everybody else here, imagine That you love sailing and it doesn't terrify you. Like you're going to get sucked out to the ocean, okay? We all love sailing in the room, okay? You wake up in the morning and you look at your weather report and it looks like the wind's going to blow. And you love sailing. So you're like, hey, I'm clearing the calendar. I'm going to go down to the marina and I'm going to get things ready because I'm going to go sailing today. So you get your sailboat out. You get it all ready. You put it in the water. You put up the the sail. You... Get it ready for the wind to blow so that you can experience the joy of being pulled by the wind. And you go out into the bay, you get out there and you're waiting. You're waiting. And it's dead calm. You're frustrated because the weather report was not accurate, which is every day in Miami. And so you got to come back in, you come back in, you take the boat out of the water, you pull down the sail and you begin to pull it back and you're kind of, mu- kind of muttering under your breath. You're like, I'm never going to go sailing again. It's such a waste of time. And someone that works there at the marina comes to you and says, what would you say? I say, listen, I'm not, not going to go sailing anymore. I looked at the weather report it said that it was going to be a windy day. So I cleared my schedule. I prepared the boat. I put the sail up. I went out into the ocean and there was no wind and it's a waste of time. And so I'm never going to sail again. But you love sailing. And he looks at me and he says, that's not wise. You cannot control the wind. Sometimes the wind doesn't meet your expectation. Sometimes the wind doesn't follow all of your desires, but when the wind blows, isn't it amazing? Isn't sailing beautiful? Isn't it profound when you get to experience a rushing wind blowing you across the bay and the joy that comes over you? So don't give up sailing because one time you got the boat ready, put the sail up and went out there, and the weather and the wind did not meet your expectation. Listen, some of us here, On the topic of spiritual gifts, or even just on the movement of the Spirit, we have given up. Because there was one time that we got the boat ready, we put the sail up, and we went out, and we were expecting for the Holy Spirit to move. We were expecting for the Holy Spirit to blow and for incredible things to happen, and it didn't. And so we came in and we said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. It's not for me. It doesn't work for me. I don't understand. I'm never going to get the boat ready to receive how this Holy Spirit's going to blow in my life. I want to tell you that's a bad decision because you cannot control the winds. You cannot control the Holy Spirit. You cannot compel the Spirit to blow just because you got the boat ready and put the sail up. Sometimes the Spirit doesn't blow and meet your expectations, but He has promised to blow. He has promised to be the wind that will give you the greatest joy you've ever experienced as he blows and moves in your life. You see, I'm telling you this because as you are preparing to experience the Holy Spirit blowing in your life and transforming your life and, giving and activating spiritual gifts in your life and the joy that comes with that, it does not always meet your expectation. Sometimes it's windier than you thought and sometimes there's no wind at all but the call is to get the boat ready the next day put the sail back up and go back out two chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 here's what it says that we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts earnestly desire See, chapter 12 tells you that it's God who gives the gifts to you. He apportions them. He chooses. The Spirit is the one that activates them and empowers them in your life. Two chapters later, though, the Apostle Paul says, but I want you to understand something. You're not passive in this. You are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, meaning you're to get the boat ready, put the sail up, go into the water. And wait for the Holy Spirit to do what he does. It's the activity of the Spirit. He blows spiritual gifts into your sale. But you have to have the sail open. You could say, I, I've never experienced a, many of these spiritual gifts that you were talking about, Carter. I've never seen them in my life and I haven't seen them even in my church. And my answer would be probably because there was no one in your church that put up a sale to receive those gifts. Because ask not, receive not. If you're not desiring the spiritual gifts, which we've been commanded to do, then the Spirit is, why would you expect the Spirit to activate them? Now, sometimes He does because the Spirit is not controlled by our actions. But there's two sides to this. We cannot compel the Holy Spirit. We should pursue the Holy Spirit. And we pursue Him by earnestly desiring the gifts that He brings. And so we ready the sale every day. We get the boat ready, we go out to the bay, and sometimes our expectations are not met, but it's because we can't control the wind. But we know the joy when the Holy Spirit blows in our lives. And I want to bring this all together by saying this. If you identify with the the, the side of that weighted scale that I talked about in the beginning where you're too heavy, maybe you have... This is not, there's no issue with you on spiritual gifts. You have always believed in the full expression of the spiritual gifts, but there has not been a lot of guardrails in your life or in your church experience. I'm praying that if you're too heavy, that you would allow the Spirit to cause you to realize that you cannot compel Him, you can only pursue Him. You can only pursue Him. And one of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit can do for you if you're too heavy is to bring to an awareness, to activate in your mind an understanding that some of the spiritual gifts that you think you have, you don't. You may feel like, I don't know, like that you said that. But it's true. Because here's what we're we're capable of doing: we're capable of manufacturing gifts in our lives. We're capable of getting the boat ready, putting the sail up, going out into the ocean, waiting for the wind to blow. It doesn't blow, so we pull out some oars and start rowing and call it sailing, right? We're capable of that. And one of the greatest things that the Spirit can do in this series for you is to bring to mind that some of the gifts that you thought you had are gifts that you just started rowing and you manufactured for yourself and to help you to understand that those are not your gifts and to set the sail up and say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to pursue you and I want you to activate gifts in my life. I want you to show me the real gifts that you desire for me to serve from. And if you are here and you identify on that side of the scale that's too light, you have been ignoring the spiritual gifts, you've been rejecting them, maybe been uncomfortable with them. My prayer is for you to see the reality of all of the spiritual gifts for the common good of the church and the beauty and the joy that it is when they are practiced together for you and for everyone else. And that you would maybe for the first time in your life get the boat ready, put the sail up and go out and wait for the Holy Spirit to blow because there's no greater joy than seeing the spirit blow the gifts that he wants to activate in your life and then you being able to serve from them. Pastor Tim Keller has a quote on this and I love what he says. He says the following. There are certain things that you and only you can do, you alone can do. And if you in God's providence are here, which you are, then the rest of us need you or you wouldn't be here. God doesn't waste people. He doesn't waste assets like the rest of us do. Therefore, it is absolutely crucial that we embrace the theology of the spiritual gifts, that there be no unemployed or passive Christians. Would we be active Christians, employed in getting everything ready for the Spirit to move? Would we be people that pray expectantly? Not presumptively because we cannot push the Holy Spirit. Only can we pursue him. But would we pray with an expectation because we see very clearly in God's word that he has given gifts to each one of us. And he wants to empower them and apportion them and activate them in your life. So we pray expectantly. We pursue with expectation that God would fulfill his promises. And we wait for him to blow in our lives. You see... St. Augustine has a quote that speaks to the reason that we're to pray expectantly. He says this, God does not ask us to tell him our needs that we may learn about them, but that we may be capable of receiving what he is preparing to give. When I was reading that, I thought, "I I get it now. I know why Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says that we should be earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. It's because we, as we pray, and as we come before God, believing on his promises, trusting in his faithfulness, surrendering to his authority, believing his word, that he wants to activate gifts in our life, that the spirit wants to move in our life, and he wants to bring healing in our life. That when we stand in that place, that our heart is being prepared for what God has already purposed to give. And it's why we're to be active Because our hearts need to be prepared for what God has already purposed to give. And so here's my charge to you, friends. Okay? Ready the sails. Amen? Will you pray with me? God, I pray that we would be a people that ready the sails. That we would believe upon your word that you have given each and every one of us spiritual gifts. And they are gifts, not obligations, gifts for us to serve from, gifts for us to enjoy your presence, your working in and through us, gifts given to us to see how we might serve from a place of power that is for the common good of others. Lord, that fills us with such deep joy. I pray that we would be a people, activated people, intellectually wrestling with your word, surrendering to the authority of your word, but open to a present tense voice of your spirit. God, I pray that you would use the spiritual gifts to make yourself public in this church, that we would be people that pursue you, not presumptively, but with expectation that you will do what you have promised to do. It's your activity, Holy Spirit, and that is to blow in our lives, to bring gifts to our lives for the building of your church, Jesus. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.